yeah, there are styles or forms of a movement that have a, a specific purpose to them. But also there's things your body needs and wants that it's talking to you all the time and asking you for stuff. And when you just lean into that and be like, I don't know, it just feels good to kind of stretch this way and do this one breath and then do this thing with my arm. I don't know, it just feels good. Like that is as valuable as anything else you could give your body. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. As a former dancer, personal trainer, and much more, I've been able to experience a wide breadth of transformation and revelation using the medium of movement. It is my passion to share its capacity and its depth in as many ways as possible, which is why I have created this podcast for you. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals across many fields and backgrounds to gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to find your unique relationship to movement, allowing it to be a journey of self-exploration, authentic curiosity, and connecting to yourself. I hope hearing these guests speak about their movement relationship and experiences will help empower you to begin to explore movement in your own way, in your own life. Hello, listeners. Today on the podcast, I have guest Kate Galliet, a movement coach who specializes in helping everyone she works with understand the full potential in their bodies by debunking the limiting beliefs they are currently living with. Kate and I got into so many good deep dives here. We We talked a lot about our own experience as movers and as coaches, and we dug into some really important and interesting topics in particular. A couple of my favorite highlights from this episode are allowing yourself to follow curiosity above all else. Kate shares an incredible story with her own career and how that has served her. Uh, Another one was talking about the importance of allowing your body to communicate to you and being willing to listen to the communication signals it gives. And finally, probably one of my favorite moments in this episode was discussing the inherent lessons and opportunity that are present in obstacles and hardship when we are working through our own movement practices in our lifetimes. 
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much I did. Kate is such a warm and intelligent and really highly esteemed professional in the field. If you don't know of her yet, please check her out. But in the meantime, please relax, sit back, tune in, and enjoy. We have Kate Galliott with us on the podcast today, uh, and she's an incredible movement coach. I found her through the functional range conditioning community, and what strikes me about Kate is she she's so impassioned in helping get rid of the mentality that you're born in a specific body and you have to stick with what you've got. And so she's created some pretty awesome programs uh, that are accessible online. You don't have to see her directly, including the unbreakable body where she helps anyone she who comes into contact with this program, unlock their movement potential and be the freest they can be. So, Kate, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience today? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, too. So, as you mentioned already, I'm a movement coach. I've been doing that for going on, moving into my 17th year now. And all of what people get to see online in my blogs and in my programs and my coaching stuff is the kind of the culmination of all of those years spent in person coaching clients Uh, Back in Chicago, when I lived there before I moved west to Utah, um, I was able to, I I felt really fortunate that I was able to work in a commercial gym for a number of years, a really, really large um, corporate commercial style gym. I was able to work in a chiropractor's office, working with folks to make sure they didn't have to come into the chiropractor as often because they were getting stronger and more mobile. And then I was really fortunate to be able to have my own gym as well for a number of years in the suburbs of Chicago. So that huge span of experience types really allowed me to gain a lot of knowledge and uh, experience working with a lot of different kinds of folks. And the thing that has remained constant amongst all of that has been that my one thing that drives me the most as a coach is helping people recognize that they have limitless potential and that they can do anything they want with their body. And that that doesn't mean you have to go like climb Everest. If that's like, if that's what you're thinking, it can be like, no, you actually can be pain-free at 75 and play tennis or go on a walk or sit on the floor with your dog or whatever. You can do anything at any age. Um, And that really is the driving factor of everything I teach, which is why when you mentioned like the Unbreakable Body Coaching Program, um, everything in that program centers around helping you unlock your movement potential and building your foundational strength and your mobility. And more so teaching you how to do it on your own. Because I think any good coach is a good coach if they help you get to a point where you can do it on your own moving forward, you know, because what's, what really is empowerment if, if you don't feel like you can take care of yourself, like you always have to rely on a book or a program or a person or something else. So I've spent the last 16 going on 17 years getting to teach people how to do that. So that's a little bit about my work career. And I'm sure we'll probably get into other things as well, too, as we talk. Yeah, well, that was an amazing uh, way to set this up. Uh, I find personally as a coach as well, that's one of the biggest limiting factors are these limiting beliefs around what we can do and why and and age is a big factor or experience is a big factor. And so what's always drawn me to your work is how, how diligently you work to 
sort of bust that myth for people. And, and you do it so eloquently with so much poise and, um, and so much experience as well. And it's just been really fantastic seeing you spread that message. And I'm glad you could share that with our audience right off the bat. That's really kind. And thank you. I appreciate that. So much of that, I think, comes from the reality that most of my young life, I was told that's just the way you are. Um, I was quite sick. I had lots of infections. I was always in the doctor's office. I was always getting some new infection or some sickness or having low energy. And doctors over and over and over again would tell me, oh, that's just the way you are. You just, you're just prone to infection. You're just, that's just how you are at age 20 to feel like, like real garbage, frankly. Um, and I remember being like, what? That makes no <laughs> sense. Like how that's terrible. And I didn't know there was another way yet. I really didn't. Cause I looked around me and I saw adults who were achy, heavier than they wanted to be. That was what I thought was my permanent future. And it took one practitioner, one clinician saying to me, you know, I don't think you're actually stuck with all this stuff. Let's try some things and see if we can help your body be healthier and help your body feel better. And sure enough, it worked. And I was like, oh, here's the rabbit hole I get to dive down to go, what else do people think they're stuck with that probably they're not? We just have to figure out what signal to send their body to get it to do something different. Yeah, that's that sounds like such an amazing awakening. So one of my favorite questions to ask guests here is, what has been your movement journey? And I think you already started touching on that a little bit. Uh, so if you could feel free to expand, like, how do you get involved in the movement work that you do from even as early on as your childhood? Uh, you can feel free to even direct it back to this initial experience that got you questioning all of this in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think, at least in my own experience, I can't speak for others. Sometimes it's pretty easy to look at those around you and go, oh, easy for them. They've always been like that. They've always been fit or thin or strong or injury-free or whatever. We project onto them or we, we think that they are. Um, so I always love sharing kind of where I came from. I was that tomboy kind of not thin, but not heavy kid. I was always just kind of like athletic and sporty built, but didn't really think much beyond like, can I do the sports I want to do? And then that carried me all the way through high school and about college time. I was like, oh, wait, I no, I don't want to be a college athlete. School sounds hard enough on its own. Um, I better just, just do the school stuff. And that's when I started picking up uh, more of the weight training that our like high school team coaches would have us do mm -hmm. and getting into running and all of these things. But it was still very like black and white. It was still very just basic. You know, it wasn't exploring movement. It wasn't wondering about joint integrity and how to enhance it or change it. It wasn't playful. It wasn't hand stance. It wasn't all this amazing stuff we have today. It was very, very, very rote. Like you go to the weight room, you do the chest press machine and the, you know, bent over rows and the squats, and then you go for a run. And that was okay. It was fine. I didn't know any different, but I realized along the way, and this is the gift that movement and fitness, I think always has on offer for us. I realized along the way that it didn't fully support my like overall well-being because there were it was too easy to get bored for me for me personally I know some people love weights and running um it was too easy for me to get a little disordered about it like running as a form of like punishment versus self-care mm -hmm. uh weightlifting because 
you, that it's how you define yourself versus how it makes you feel good about yourself. Um, and those particular things gave me some insight into, Hmm, I don't, I don't love that as much. And I don't love kind of some of the things it brings out from me. But in that, I was able to start unpacking those things. Why did I find it boring? Why did I use it as punishment or as reward or as anything other than care for my body? And that led me along the way, just kind of at my house at the age of like 23, like just trying to work and make ends meet and trying not to go out a lot because I was trying to save money. And like Googling on the internet to find anything that was interesting to me about fitness and movement and all of these things I didn't quite yet understand. And I started finding more of the movement stuff that you and I are talking about here that your whole podcast seems to be centered around that stuff that is not quite as black or white or as definable as that's weight training or that's running or that's gymnastics. It was, it's, it's more of a, an expression, more of a huge genre instead of just a very specific thing. And I started gravitating towards all of that going, oh, this is interesting because it lets me explore a lot of stuff and it feels like an easier way to build a healthier relationship with fitness for me. And indeed it was. And that led me down all these other rabbit holes to go, wow, why, why do people's arches fall flat? How can we change that? Why do people's hips hurt? How can we change that? And it gave me all these different pieces of knowledge that then I, I then got to try out on my clients in that commercial gym all those years ago. Yeah. That led me to work at today. Wow. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, at 23, you were already asking these questions for yourself. Had you had any experiences related to movement that did feel empowering and exciting to you? And was that part of the reason why you were asking them or, or were you just like, there has to be more? That's a great question because I often am like, how did I end up here? Like for real? Cause people are like, <laughs> how did you, I want to get in a career like yours. And I'm like, um, okay, I can't give you a map for that because I don't really know how I got here, but I'm really thankful I did. Um, no, I had never had, here's the thing. I think I just didn't know. I enjoyed my sports. I enjoyed the bit of gymnastics that I got to do. I enjoyed being a good softball player. Um, but it was, it was just very surface level. It wasn't this deeply enriching personal growth opportunity. And I think I checked a lot of that up to like, I just didn't know that's what it could be. I had no idea that movement and fitness and training your body, movement, moving your body every day, having a movement practice could be something so enriching and such an opportunity for growth. So did I enjoy what I did when I was younger? Yeah, it was fun. It was fun getting strong. It was fun seeing what I could do or making an all-star team when I was a kid, you know, but um, I was just sitting around at 23 going, I'm curious about this. I want to learn more. Let me try it. And that's really all of the things that have gotten me to where I'm at today, including where I live, how I run my business and what I do for my business have all been the, the result of going, I wonder what that'd be like. I'm curious about that. And not really even thinking about what the consequences are, just diving in and swimming around and often getting in over my head and being like, wait, whoa, whoa, oh my gosh, I have to figure this all out now. <laughs> um, but, but just really, truly following the curiosity above all else. Yeah, I think that curiosity component is so important. It's something nobody is really taught or, or given permission to work with, or we don't put movement in context to that anymore. I mean, I was a wild card in the sense that I happened to be put into dance class when I was three years old and I fell in love with it. Like 
nobody could tear me away from dance at that point. And I went all in, uh, this all consuming like passion and, um, just like love for this ability to move in my body in all these different ways and to continue to explore and like, and ask questions and just like feel so empowered in that process of being able to take all that variability on. And I know that was such a potent aspect to developing me as a trainer and as a coach, because I could go into fitness and have this deep understanding of my body and gravity and then the weights were kind of exciting because it was like, ooh, this new stimulus I've never worked with before. And I could enter any movement environment, any education workshop and and like really just like absorb it in on a whole another level than most people around me. And and a huge part of that was because I I was developing that curiosity at such a young age. And it's something I notice uh, doesn't really get talked about a lot. It doesn't get the space. Uh, I guess a better way to say it is, is we, in, in, in the general fitness world, not everyone, um, there is just not a lot of allowance for it, right? It's not considered. No, like, I'm with you. You should yeah. investigate your curiosity, not go for what the best workout is because that, doesn't really exist, right? It's more about your why. Why are you doing it? Is it interesting to you? Because if it's not, and you're not excited by it in some way, you're probably not going to want to do it. Yeah. Wow. That's so amazing. You got to have that at such a young age. I hope you always cherish that because I'm betting, at least in my circle of friends growing up and in my own experience, that wasn't the case for everybody. And I, that's just really wonderful that you were able to cultivate that ability to go, oh, it's okay for me to ask questions and try it this way and change a little bit. So it is kind of my own version of this and see how that's different from this other way. So that's incredible. And I'm right there with you. And it's funny because even as this has changed a bit over time, you know, where we do have this whole world of movement that kind of wasn't really in the mainstream at all until the last several years or so, um, even in the movement world, there's still that concept, that notion of right versus wrong. Oh, you're doing that movement drill wrong. You're doing that crawling version wrong. You're doing that right. You know, here's something you should do if you want to do right. And it's so silly because the real process around that is, as you said, self-discovery and going through and letting yourself learn and letting yourself develop your own awareness of your movement variability, of how you control your body, of the reason that different techniques are used and all of them are right in some avenue or some fashion. Um, but that also too, learning that all different things have a purpose. And so what looks quote unquote wrong to someone else may simply be because you don't understand what that person's intent or purpose is, which kind of goes into like why I do ridiculous looking things in the gym. I'm sure you do too, compared <laughs> to what the average exercise for to see. Um, but why that also reminds me always to like look at what everyone else is doing not as like that's super weird but as like huh I wonder what their objective is with what they're doing there because I would hope that that's what someone else might think about what I'm doing although I understand that they may just be like dude that chick's weird she's doing some weird stuff (laughs) yeah yeah well you know I, I see this a lot in dance um there's and I'm noticing that same the same thing is crossing over into fitness, especially as fitness starts to encompass a lot more of this movement stuff. 
And in, in dance, there's like kind of this weird separation where if you look historically across cultures, dancing used to just be a thing people did, right? And, and it is still like if you go to a wedding and people have enough to drink, everyone's dancing. <laughs> but yeah. we've lost the ability to connect to that as just like a part of human life on a regular basis. And now it becomes distorted into this thing of like, well, I'm not a dancer. So like, ooh, like, don't watch what I do. It's not good. And I, and I kind of see that even happening with fitness, especially for people who are not professionals in the industry. There's a real fear to try something new in, in fear of it not being right and being judged. And I think once you've become a professional and you've been able to understand a little bit more behind like the reasons for doing things, then when you break that and you have an intention around it, you don't care what people think. But, um, you know, I think in a perfect world, the way we take math and science and history and English seriously in school, we would take, you know, movement education and, and, and like physical exercise seriously and not the physical education programs today where you just like put a dodgeball out there and let kids play for half an hour, but like take it further and take it deeper so that again, people have that autonomy that autonomy that you're trying to get all of your clients and anyone who works with you to have on the other end. Absolutely. And a part of that too, and to your point about instilling it earlier in kids is, um, and for all of us adults going, well, it's too late to be a kid, but not really. You can still learn all this stuff. Um, is getting the practice of feeling dumb and clunky because when you're not, when you think you're not good at something, I'll use myself an example. Um, probably nowhere near the dancer that you are definitely nowhere near a good singer. And there are several like sports that I would probably try and be like, wow, I'm horrible at this. You can feel kind of that flush come to your face when you do it, when you know someone else sees it, you know, you feel like awkward and that bit of tension and then place that happens too. When someone's trying some sort of new movement or new exercise, whether it's a traditional one, like a deadlift or a non-traditional thing, like you know, mobility training using neural control drills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you have to be okay with that. And when you've not gotten to practice that a lot, it's tough to be okay with that flushed, nervous, like, oh my God, I feel so dumb. I look so dumb feeling. But unfortunately, or fortunately, as it were, the only way through all of that is through all of that. So getting the chance to practice that and knowing that you're going to feel really silly um, and maybe even really stupid if that's kind of a narrative that you've heard in your head before, um, that that's not abnormal, but it's a growth opportunity, you know? Yeah. Well, to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. That's been so huge in my life. And I find I'm still always working with that. And I mean, to continue developing and growing, you, it, it I don't know if it gets easier because I think about this, um, it, it doesn't. I think it just like you start to realize like this is okay. This is part of it. Like it's temporary. It doesn't mean I, uh, I'm actually terrible. It's just my first try. And I think that I've noticed even allows me to be gentler on myself in things that aren't movement related. Like, you know, trying something new and daring and like social interaction, like, like putting yourself out there, like to be with someone you really like or, you know, even with like career and business stuff. Um, 
I, I found it to be such an important practice, um, not just even to like develop movement and other things too. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Very well said. Oh, thank you. This was so great. Uh, I, I am curious um, because movement is such a big word uh, and I'm realizing everyone kind of has their own unique definition of that. So Kate, what is your definition of movement? That is such a major question, right? And offers so many opportunities for exploration. I remember when this movement thing first started getting going, like seriously, 15 years ago, I remember just being like, yeah, um, the stuff I teach is kind of, I mean, yeah, there's strength work and barbells and things you'd probably recognize, but also there's like all this other stuff. I don't know. It's really hard to describe. <laughs> and just being like, wow, this is like the worst marketing of all time. Which is why I started saying like, look, um, I help your body feel and move well. That's, that's where we, that's what happens when we do this work. Um, but I remember when this was kind of coming up in the world being like, movement. How do we, where are the parameters here? What is all this? Is it just gymnastics? Is it dance too? I don't know. Um, but I think it's really cool. I'm sure as each person you talk to shares a different definition to kind of hear where everybody's at. It's probably really awesome. So I'll add mine to the list. And for me, um, movement is your expression of yourself. And that doesn't mean if you are slouching right now while you listen to this podcast or if you're, um, you've been sitting all day and you haven't gotten up to do any movement uh, or that you just did six hours of yoga and you're like glowing with like yoga happiness, that none of them are better or worse, that mm-hmm. it's all just expressions of you. So truly how you're breathing is an expression of you, how you're moving or not moving is an expression of you. And that's 100% fluid because day to day changes, hour to hour changes. And your focus and values and intentions and needs all change too. I mean, for example, now just even the breathing thing. If I were really nervous, uh, but really excited to be here, I'd be breathing differently than how I am right now, where I'm, I'm really enjoying our conversation. I'm very relaxed. It feels like I'm hanging out with a friend, having coffee uh, and chatting about fun stuff. And if you ask me a question that I'm like, oh my God, I don't think I know the answer to that. My breathing might change then. Yeah. All of it's just expression of us. Hmm. Actually, I have not gotten that definition before. That's a new Oh, cool. It's amazing, though. I totally agree with you on that. I think movement can be so many things. And especially as a dancer, like, the reason I loved it so much as a kid is I didn't feel I had, like, a place to express myself. Um, Not verbally, not even in terms of, I don't know, just, like, walking and talking how I wanted to. So the reason why I was, like, so intensely married to dance as a medium was because it was a place I could I could be exactly whoever I was in that moment. If I was sad, I would, I would be sad, right? And I would let it out. And if I was happy, I could be exuberant and let it out. But it it always just allowed me to, to sort of express whatever was going on and have like this release around it or expand it, whatever needed to happen could happen. And, and I actually, I think that potential doesn't lie in dance alone. You know, I, like you said, like movement isn't a form, is a form of expression that is available to you at any time. If you're aware of it, if you're willing to tap into it and you can always use movement as a vehicle to shift if you're feeling stuck or if you need a little breath of something new, right? You could even use breath 
for that. So mm-hmm. I think that's such a fantastic way of looking at it. Well, thanks. And that to carry that on just a step further, like it really gives you a creative license then to trust your innate intelligence, your, your inner knowing, you know, because you might, as you're sitting here listening to us chat or maybe later in the, you know, in the day when you're in the kitchen cooking dinner, um, notice that you just like, you just kind of want to like move your shoulders in your rib cage kind of in this one way, but it's not really like anything you've ever seen. It's not an exercise you, you know, I or Marie have taught. It's not, it's not anything you've ever seen anywhere, but it just feels right to like kind of do that. And that goes along with like, yeah, there are styles or forms of a movement that have a, a specific purpose to them, but also there's things your body needs and wants that it's talking to you all the time and asking you for stuff. And when you just lean into that and be like, I don't know, it just feels good to kind of stretch this way and do this one breath and then do this thing with my arm. I don't know. It just feels good. Like that is as valuable as anything else you could give your body, you know? Yeah. I, I think I would even argue it's probably like the most valuable. So like really just be able to listen because our body is always telling us something. It, it's always talking to us, but we're usually just silencing it, you know, shutting the door, <laughs> throwing it in yeah. and out. And, and it, it's funny because a lot of these things you're describing to nor- to a person who isn't experienced doing it, it feels like, well, this is a lot of nothing. These are a lot of small little movements. Like, what does this really do? But if you, if you have a little experiment with yourself for maybe, you know, two weeks or even just one and, and you like, and you really try and pay attention to when those signals come up and just do whatever your intuition or your gut is telling you, no matter how silly or small it feels, you'll start to notice big shifts in the other stuff. Like it'll, it'll change how you show up in a workout. It'll change how you show up. If you try and like go play volleyball with friends, um, you know, even like hanging out with kids or like if you're a grandparent hanging out with grandchildren, it's amazing what those small little shifts, um, when your body is signaling you, if you meet your body where it's at and you nourish it with that, it'll provide so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if that's something someone's never done before, I think that's where the value of deciding something you want to learn kicks in. Uh, because it can be sometimes if you're someone who's like, and I've met plenty of people like this, I'm sure you have too, who are like, yeah, I get, I get the concept, but like, I don't even know what to do. Like, I have no idea. And I've, I've gotten injured so many times in the past that like, I have no idea. I think that's where really like the value of going, Hey, I really align with this one person's work that I've read on the internet or I have their book or I follow their Instagram. Um, and, and explore what that person offers and use that as like a jumping off point because really all of us coaches, I can't speak for all of the ones in the world, but what I hope we all strive for is to be kind of the, the person who's putting out little nuggets and someone goes, Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd like to learn more about that. And then it furthers their journey to get going from there. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, that, that actually reminds me, um, one of my favorite yoga teachers here in the city, Maggie Pierce, she, she gives a great analogy of this and she calls it you know, the map versus the territory, right? And if you don't know the territory, you can go to the map. Uh, But you don't need to use the map if you know the territory. So for somebody who doesn't really like reads the signal is like, I don't know where to go here. That's where like a program or looking up something or working with someone can help build you a map. But once you've had a map, 
to explore that territory, then at a certain point, you can start to, to move away from it and explore on your own. 100%. That's a fantastic quote. I really, I really, really like the way that it's exactly what, what we're talking about here. Sometimes you need, like, tell me how to, like the Google Maps to be like, where do I turn right? I just, I don't even know where to turn right here. Okay. And then over time though, you learn the city and kind of like when you move to any new city too, when you start to get that feeling like, oh, I, I vaguely know where 7th Street is. Oh, I vaguely know where State is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I can make my way over there. And then as you go along the way, you start to find the more faster direct routes, you find the scenic routes, you find all this stuff. But kind of in this mix in this whole theme we're talking about is like, you got to go on the journey. You got to be willing to be like, I'm going to step off my comfortable little spot here that maybe isn't as comfortable as I'd like it to be because I have aches or pains or I haven't reached the goal I have in mind or I don't know how to get to the goal I have in mind. Uh, You got to be okay stepping off that little safe space and uh, going out on a journey. Yeah, like taking on the mentality of an explorer, like bringing on that curiosity, being willing to not get it all right. Like these are all the components we brought up tie right into this. It's it's coming together beautifully. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you use the word explorer too, because that's one of the first lessons we teach in the Unbreakable Body is the explorer's mindset and how that is radically valuable for building your own autonomy, going on the journey yourself, knowing when to make a right turn, knowing when to stop and be like, wait, I'm lost. I need to consult the map slash coach here or book or whatever. Um, So the explorer's mindset is so crucial to really being able to collect important data, make good use of it, make good choices from it, know when to shift gears if you need to, and know when to stop and like raise your hand and be like, I'm lost. I need some help. Somebody point me in the right direction here. Yeah. I love that. I love that you start your program with that because I also see, I I label myself as a coach because that's what I am, but I also, I don't, I don't know if that label is entirely right because sometimes there's like this model of coach student and I don't, I don't really like to see it that way. Um, And I, I think it's, more about this explorer model, you know, like I'm just the guy, right? I'm just, I'm just like somebody help helping to facilitate this experience, but really the person driving the ship is you, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about you. And, and, and that, that word becoming an explorer is just so potent and allowing people to kind of know from the get go that they're in the driver's seat, that they're the ones who have ownership of this whole thing. And it totally changes the tone for the rest of the ride. Absolutely. Awesome. So uh, another thing I'm interested in learning about you, Kate, is you actually touched on this word a little earlier, but I'm going to get a little more specific. What has been the greatest gift that movement has given you? Goodness. And this is, I think I just saw this somewhere else too. I forget who is, you see so many things when you're reading email and checking Twitter and all of that craziness. Um, but um, it's funny that now this is going to come up here and it came up there, which means it's probably up for me as something I need to hear. Um, the four real greatest things that gifts that movement has given me is when I've gotten injured and I've had to learn about that part of my body in a much more detailed way than I even had in my schooling prior to that and figuring out ways to heal it and address the mental hurdles that came up and answer the questions for myself about like, well, what if you could never do this again? Then what? Or why did this happen? Did you ignore some signal? Or had you not been looking at this at the most important level that you could and giving it the time and attention it was telling you it needed before the injury happened? And so 
all the other stuff is fun. Like getting your first pull up is really fun. Getting stronger at rock climbing is really fun. Being able to run, that's sort of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, the greatest gifts have really come out of like the lessons that I've had to learn about like me and my life and my existence that have come through getting injured and having to learn more through that injury. I, you know, you never wish bad things on yourself or anyone else, but there's always an opportunity to learn and grow in every quote bad or challenging situation, which maybe maybe you wouldn't even get those lessons any other way. It's hard to know and kind of go backwards and go, well, how else could I have learned this lesson? But if you can see that there's a lesson in there for you, um, it's yours for the taking and more than likely is a big lesson that you needed to learn in your life. Hmm. That's really, I really like that. I'm sort of, I'm going to kind of tailspin off of that. So I also had a similar experience. Um, it's actually what led me into personal training and coaching was I, I was getting radically injured starting at 16 years old and nobody else around me seemed to be, and no physical therapist was really able to help me. And I was like, I need to fix this. What is going on? Like I need, I was literally going into training to fix my body so I could be indestructible in the dance world. And then I ended up kind of shifting gears entirely. But I, I always found I struggled to learn that lesson. Like I had to keep relearning it and relearning it. And I would say now, 10 years after all that, or 12 years after all those injuries, I, I, I get it. Like I'm actually at a point where I'm able to, to see the injury as like a, an opportunity to learn and grow. And so I'm curious, was there a particular moment or was it kind of accumulation for you? There were a number of injuries along the way, like you, things that are like, why is this happening to me? seems like it's not happening to anybody else. Um, but the first major one was, uh, gosh, I was early 20s. Um, I got this like weird thing, like pain in my hamstring that I just could not, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and of course, being at the state of uh, my life, my career that I was at, I was like, I'll just do less. I'll do all the same things. I'll just do less of them, right? And really, it wasn't that much less because, again, you like when you don't really understand that, like your body has to get a different signal to create a different response, and you're really tethered to like. But I define myself as someone who works out hard all the time. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do less. So that's that was my first thing. And weirdly, the injury wouldn't heal, and in fact, it kind of <laughs> got worse. How strange, right? And so I kept trying to do less. I was like, I'll just I'll do less and less and less and less and less. And it just still wasn't getting better to the point where like I had to sit down for all my coaching sessions. I couldn't really like walk very well. Um, and then went on vacation and was like, wow, I'm feeling better, which anyone who has any understanding of like pain and pain science is like, of course you felt better on vacation. You had more happy feelings. You are more relaxed. You had a different environment and all of these things contribute to whether or not you feel pain. Um, and things felt better. So what did I do? I went for a run on the beach because that's what anybody who has a major hamstring injury that hasn't healed for months prior to that should totally do. I'm being super <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> don't do that. Good. Sure enough. Um, got to the airport the next day to fly home from vacation and I literally couldn't walk. I had to ride in one of those carts that they oh have available gosh. to people who um, are unable to walk to their gate. And I remember sitting there being like, this is horrific. Like, this is really, really, really bad. Am I, am I going to listen now or am I going to just like burn this ship all the way to the ground and create some real serious damage here. 
Um, that was the first real time that I kind of had to majorly check myself and check how do I define myself? And is it only through my actions and what I call myself? Or is it more you know, deep and intuitive than that? Um, how do I handle myself? How do I care for myself? How do I listen to myself? And like you mentioned, there were many times in the years later where I got to learn a similar lesson or kind of revisit that lesson with smaller injuries or smaller things that were going on um, until the most recent one where I tore my ACL at the end of 2016 um, and was by no means anything I could have physically prevented from happening, but my brain that day was like, yeah, you're just not really feeling climbing today. Like you just, but just don't like, and I, but my, my rest of my brain was like, yeah, but it's the only day you'll get to climb this week. Can you really love it? And it really always makes you happy. Like you should just go anyways, even though you don't really feel, you're not feeling it today. Mm. And sure enough, I took a bad fall from my ACL. It was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like seriously, but <laughs> That huge opportunity gave me lots of knowledge about the knee and ACL rehab that I never had before about how to build my own training plan to heal my own knee, which gave me more consciousness and, and also compassion for other people who've been through a similar injury um, and allowed me to visit all of the mental stuff around like, what if you can never run again? What if you can never climb again? What if you can never hike again? All these things you love, how will you find your happiness, Kate? Mm. Um, so these these opportunities, that, that was a lesson that I was like, right, okay, we're not going to do that one again. Like you said, that lesson's bolstered in now. We don't need to go through and do any more knee injuries or any other major injuries of that fashion. So I'm trying as I get older and maybe a little wiser to do a better job at making sure I get the lesson the first time around um, so that I can grow and learn and not have to revisit it in the future. Yeah. I, I always had that same experience that you just mentioned with injury where I was like, I was suddenly faced with, you can't do all these things that make you happy. And it was like, oh, how can I survive and like still be a functioning human being without my lifeline? Um, but I think the biggest thing is it taught me how to appreciate like this, like other forms of movement, right? It forced me to look elsewhere. It forced me out of my comfort zone into new, new territories to explore, right? I had to get a few yeah. new maps. and. Um, you know, some of them were challenging, some of them were exciting, but, but just, I, I think the biggest thing was it just like taught me that, yeah, like you may love this one thing, you know, and and it's great that you love it, but there's so much more that can inform that. So that, so that it becomes richer and more developed and more conscious too. Uh, I just have seen such a major transformation uh, in my dancing that I've been coming back into as a result of all my work as a trainer with the strength, with FRC, with animal flow and all the other modalities I've been playing with. And, and it's, it's so fascinating now as I've been building like a practice in stillness and meditation to notice even how that is influencing it. So it, it's been fascinating. I think, um, so like when you when you deal with that thing of if I can't do this one thing that I love doing, it's, it's all over. And then you have to you kind of, especially if you love being in your body, you find other ways to be in your body. And then that becomes Absolutely. such a fantastic reward. Absolutely. I'm curious. Uh, so when after you were dealing with like the knee rehab, like what? after that climbing fall, cause I know you love climbing, like everything you post is like you traveling to some remote area and like, it's fantastic. But 
what other stuff did you have to come into contact with? Was it mostly um, methodologies around rehab or were there some other things too? Um, so with the knee rehab, yeah, I had to really take a hard look at all the tools that were out there and available to me and, and pick and choose amongst them, which meant going in and trying some things and kind of lining it up with, do I see results with this? Is there some sort of reason I'm seeing results with this? Or am I just, you know, putting my own placebo effect into it? Um, but it gave me this great, this just really great crystal clear reminder that everything out there is a tool and all of those tools can be valuable in some way, shape or form along the path of the healing journey. Um, for a, here's just one quick example. So we kind of have an idea now around self-massage stuff or massage in general or manual therapy in general that um, it needs to be very specific directional force applied to the body and kind of surrounded and complemented by very particular movement, muscle contraction and motion to really teach the nervous system how to actually change. We know that like just rolling around on your foam roller for an hour, like without any movement training to kind of match up with it, isn't really going to get you where you want to go. Um, but that doesn't mean that manual therapy isn't highly valuable and important and effective when it's combined in kind of these specific ways. So I actually found this therapist here in, here in Salt Lake City um, who has kind of a similar background as me, but as slightly different tracks. So she had all this stuff that I didn't have and was willing to kind of get together with me and use her manual therapy skill set with my thought process around neural control and, you know, like what we learned in, you know, FRC stuff, you know, getting end range control again, really expanding mobility and then incorporating things like Feldenkrais and ego skew and all these different tools that don't just work in their own little, you know, universe of mm -hmm. their world. They can work in conjunction with each other. They are all valuable somewhere along the way. Um, but it's up to the practitioner or which is you to know, what should I be trying when? How can I put things together? How am I going to evaluate if this is actually working for me? Um, and then go forward from there. So we were able to take some of this like last little lingering, like, man, that doesn't quite feel right in those tissues. Uh, and then get in and do some specific manual therapy on that in harmony with doing some motion work and some, you know, um, isometric contraction work that I wanted to do. Um, and able to kind of just unpack the last of the tissues that I mean, they were holding on because they thought it was safer to hold on. And we were able to reteach them like, hey, you're good. Like, you don't, you don't have to be like that anymore and kind of work our way through the last part of that. So I really appreciated how getting to revisit all of the movement tools that are at my hand, all of the methodologies and, and processes that are at our hands as practitioners um, and go, cool, how can I use each one of these tools and not over rely on one and under rely on another but actually create a really nice harmonious existence between the ones that I plan to use for my treatment. That's really amazing. Wow. It's fun. And it's like, well, to me, that's, I don't know. I'm super loyal in all the ways, but I'm also like, but there's good stuff at this one thing and there's good stuff in this other thing and there's good stuff in this other thing. And they're all really awesome tools at the right time. Wouldn't it be great if more people understood how to use all the different tools and put them together, like we were talking about earlier, in a way that their innate intelligence, their autonomy, their personal self is like, this is how we should do it. And not just willy nilly, like, you know, you look at the science, you understand it, you get the concept in your brain so that you know what you're, what you're using and what you're playing with, but that you can go, I'm going to put this whole thing together in a way that totally suits where I'm at right now. 
instead of trying to mash yourself into one book system framework thing that kind of works in a lot of ways, but doesn't totally work 100% for what you're dealing with right now. I don't know. I just find it way, way more fascinating to look at all the tools together. I agree. It's like, you know, how, if you actually make that analogy very directly with like tools and toolboxes, you, we all have like a toolbox, right? And we fill it with whatever we want and you fill it with the stuff you need, depending on what project you're working on. And then if you move to another project, you may have to pull new stuff in and remove some of the older stuff, right? And interchange, allow, allow that flexibility, that freedom to like really make those decisions based off of where you are at. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Are there any movement modalities you are interested in exploring? Is there anything that you're looking to expand into in your movement journey in the future? That's a great question. I love just in general, trying stuff on myself first and exploring it with full richness and depth as I can before any of it will ever show up in my coaching practice. Um, but it very similar to how, um, this this happened with the Feldenkrais stuff years ago. I had actually readers and and clients of mine being like, are you sure? Like you've never studied Feldenkrais because you sound similar and it sounds like you've read at least a book or something about it. And I was always like, no, I haven't. I'll put it on my list. Thank you very much. And then started studying. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in here that jives with what I feel and what I think and what I have studied and have used on myself. Let me go deeper into that. Uh, And that's been a fun journey over the years to just tinker and explore and talk to people who are Feldenkrais practitioners. Um, But EcoSkew has been coming up. Um, So that is super new and foreign to me, but it's one of those ones that I look at and go, that's interesting. That's been around for a really long time. There's some cool stuff in there. I'm curious how much of it aligns with the science we have today. Um, And the only way to know is to like, dive in, be an explorer, collect some data and then be like, okay, how does this jive with everything we know today? Does it work for me? What other settings could this work in? So if anything, that might be kind of the next study that I would love to head into just for fun to explore. And maybe someday it would end up in my coaching, but I I mean, I wouldn't hang my hat on it until I was like super all in on it. But yeah, I think that might be one of the next things that's probably up for me in terms of study and exploration. Oh, that sounds really exciting. I I love that you embody the very practices that you teach. It's so great to when you come across coaches who really live the life that they're trying to extend to people who are seeking their help. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's just I don't know any other way to be. So thanks. <laughs> Me neither. So it's always I am always like, oh yeah, soul sisters. <laughs> um, yeah, hundred percent. But. Uh, So we covered a lot today. We went down um, a lot of different trajectories, all stuff I think is really important for people to hear and to sort of assimilate. But in the range of all that, are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave our audience with today? Any final words of wisdom? Gosh, so many, right? We could talk for hours about just this whole (laughs) movement world. Um, But if there's any one thing I would maybe like a call to action to sort of leave for folks is to next time you go into your workout or your movement practice, whatever you call it, uh, it's kind of all the same thing when you go move your body. Um, when you go into that, um, explore the things that you absolutely love and the things that you're like, I hate this, but I know I'm supposed to do it and pick one of those things and unpack that a little bit. Like, 
why do you love it so much? Or why do you hate it so much? Or tolerate it, I suppose I should say, you know, but you don't really have a lot of passion for it. And let that bring up some questions around, could you go deeper on the things that you love? How could you expand on that further or take that passion and excitement and apply it maybe to that area that you're not quite as excited about? And then conversely, figure out, explore, ask questions around like, why do I hate this or only tolerate it? Like what's coming up for me? Because while that might sound kind of like woo-woo and out there, I guarantee you it will present you, if you listen long enough, the opportunity to find something else that you love, maybe a deeper uh, element of the movement practice you already love or a new teacher that you might want to follow or a new book that you might want to read or a journaling session you might need to do to be like, oh, I hate this thing because it reminds me of having to follow the rules. I hate following the rules because of this other thing. And you can follow yourself down this whole path to go really what the whole end game of movement, I believe, is just to have a better expression of yourself. So start there. That's, I think, a phenomenal way to lead people into this idea of autonomy, right? To get them to ask awesome. questions. Good. That's cool. Perfect. I love it. And I hope that resonates. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Ask, ask a question. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> someone's like, yeah, I'm not really getting with that. that okay, that's cool. Ask why. <laughs> Just Amazing. ask why. Amazing. A million times, ask why. You'll find what you need to find. I promise. Oh yeah. Why? It's one of my new favorite words. I've noticed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say it enough. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, Well, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about this thing called movement. It it was such an awesome hour kind of debunking all the intricacies of it, learning more about your journey. And I really thank you uh, for putting your heart and soul into the work you do and for showing up for our audience to share more about who you are and, and how movement has shaped your life. Well, thank you so much. It's been a really fun conversation and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do it as well. All right. Well, um, where can our audience members find you if they're interested in syncing up with you directly after this Uh, interview? Absolutely. I've got three spots that I kind of send folks to. This is kind of um, in the realm of what Katie Bowman's been talking about this last year about her online tree. I've been kind of pruning my online tree to make sure people get to where they need to for what they want to actually get. So uh, if you want just short, quick exercise tips from me, you can go over to The Unbreakable Body on Instagram. If you want more uh, kind of 10 minute lessons or give or take uh, where we kind of expand a bit more into all realms of fitness and movement, you'll want to head over to my move well essentials free Facebook group. You can just Google move well essentials or maybe not Google it, Facebook it, use a little search thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to dive deep on all the articles and videos that are much longer and more expansive, head over to uh, fitforreallife.com and you'll have all of that there. Amazing. Awesome. Well, again, uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you so much. And uh, I really, again, I really appreciate it. I appreciate the work you're doing and trying to share this conversation with a larger audience. Yeah, no, I was, it was kind of some, an idea out of nowhere that I was like, oh yeah, I have to, I have to act on I love that. (laughs) That's, that's the magic. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in guys. It was an awesome hour. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And I'll catch you again next week on this thing called movement.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Janicek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.